0: Hey everyone, welcome to That You May Know Him, a podcast where we are committed to proclaiming biblical truth that helps you know Christ better than ever before. This is Blake, host of the That You May Know Him podcast, and welcome back to 2 for 10, the show where we study the Bible one book at a time, one verse at a time. Today we're going to be in Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, where the Apostle John uses two of the most prolific and robust Old Testament passages to point us toward one of the most important events that will happen in the future. It's all coming up today on 2 for 10 let's get it going hey guys real quick before we get started if you're watching this on youtube and you're enjoying these videos please don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel also two for ten is on youtube but a lot of our content is still only in audio format on our podcast so if you're watching this on youtube don't forget to check out our podcast and if you're listening to this on the podcast don't forget to check out our youtube channel also last thing Many of you know I recently wrote a book with my good friend, Dr. Richard Cox. It's called Secularism, The Church, and the Way Forward. It is out now. It's available from Stock Publishers. It's on their website, whiffenstock.com. It's on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Bookstore, all the major book distributors. Or you can find links to it right on the homepage of our website, thatyoumayknowhim.com. Don't forget to check it out. All right, let's get into the book of Revelation (laughs) All right, guys, Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 are the two verses that we're going to be looking at today. As I read these verses, I'm actually going to start back about midway through verse 5 just so we get a little bit of the flow of the passage and of what's going on. Starting in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, it goes like this. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him. Even those who pierced Him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is... And who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So, guys, last week, in the last couple of episodes, we've talked about how the book of Revelation is authored by Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons that it's so unique amongst all the other New Testament books. This book is literally the revelation of Jesus Christ that he gave to the Apostle John. It's written using the pen of John but its author is Jesus Christ. We also talked about how this book comes to us in the form of a letter. At the time it was written, it was a letter that was intended for seven churches that existed in the Roman province of Asia Minor in the first century. Now, when these churches received this letter, they opened it and they realized that it was written by John, but that it was from Jesus Christ that he had given this revelation to John. But the first thing we read is that it's not only from Jesus Christ. The letter is also from God the Father and the Holy Spirit. So here we have all three, Father, Son, and Spirit, being introduced in the very beginning of the book. Verse 7 lies on the heels of Jesus Christ being introduced as the one who loves us, who freed us from our sins, and who made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. Now, in the next verse, in verse 7, the verse we're looking at today, the Apostle John does something amazing. He takes two of the most important Old Testament passages that exist that reference the Messiah, the Christ, and he uses them to point us toward, forward toward one of the most important events that will happen in world history. And that is the second coming of Christ. When John writes these words. Behold he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so amen. When he writes those words. He has a twofold purpose. The first is to give us assurance. That Jesus Christ is coming back he's coming back to earth in bodily form and no one is going to miss it the second thing that he's doing is making sure that we understand that when jesus christ comes back the second time he will come as a conquering king you see all through the new testament we see the disciples of jesus asking him the same question repeatedly they ask it in different ways but really it's always the same question The question is this, Lord, when will you look like the Messiah that we expected? Jesus always answers this question in the same way. He says, nobody knows the day or the hour, the times or the seasons. What do we make of this? Well, we know from reading the Bible that the disciples themselves and most first century Jews were expecting a Messiah to come Who would look more like King David than like a carpenter from Nazareth. Who would look more like a conquering king than a suffering servant. They were expecting a Messiah who would lead Israel in victory. Who would help Israel to conquer her enemies. Who would restore national sovereignty and really national glory to the nation and to the people of Israel. What we learn is... As we read through the entire New Testament, is that Jesus had one very specific mission in his first coming. In his first coming, he dealt with sin. And as a consequence, he reconciled people of every tribe, nation, and language to God. But in his second coming, he will come in the way that his disciples and the people of Israel expected their Messiah to come all along. He will come as a conquering king. You see, there are many prophecies. Some say over 300 prophecies, Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus, in his incarnation, in his life, death, and resurrection. There are still several very important prophecies that must be fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And these are those that will be fulfilled in his second coming. And what the Apostle John does in Revelation 1-7 is combine not one, but two Old Testament prophecies together in order to give us great assurance that not only will Jesus Christ return to the earth one day, but he will return as the conquering king that was promised. The first of these prophecies is from Zechariah chapter 12. It's in verse 10, actually, and I'm going to read you This passage right now, I'm going to read you the actual prophecy itself that John sort of reflects, and then I'll give you a little bit of the context afterward. It goes like this. This is Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy. So that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. This prophecy from Zechariah speaks of a time in the future when all the kingdoms of the world will be gathered against Israel and all the kingdoms of the world will be surrounding Jerusalem to destroy it. The prophecy goes on to say that at that time, many of the people of israel will look upon their lord the one who they have pierced and they will mourn as one mourns for an only child in other words many will many people will look upon the lord at that time and they will mourn that they did not repent sooner particularly in the context of Zechariah, jewish people it's amazing that in this passage yahweh is speaking he says they will look upon me On him who they have pierced, and they will mourn as one mourns for an only child. But actually, in the book of Revelation, John reflects this same passage, only he clarifies that we're talking about the Son, Jesus Christ. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. John takes this prophecy from the book of Zechariah. He combines it with some of the very key things that Jesus told his disciples throughout his life. And he clarifies, this is talking about the return of Christ. The prophecy in Zechariah goes on to say that at that time, the Lord himself will set his foot down on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is a very prominent sort of hillside that's just just adjacent to Jerusalem says that the Lord will set his foot down on the Mount of Olives and the mountain will be split in two. And at that time, the Lord himself with all of his hosts will descend from the Mount of Olives and will go and will fight and defeat Israel's enemies. Now it's amazing. It is amazing that John takes this prophetic passage from Zechariah and he basically tells us, This is talking about the return of Christ. The ultimate fulfillment of this passage is when Jesus will return and set his foot down on the Mount of Olives and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him will see him. Many people on that day will be wailing. They will be mourning because they did not repent sooner. Many others will be rejoicing at the sight of their king, coming to rescue them. Look, there's one other very prominent Old Testament prophecy that John uses here in Revelation chapter one, verse seven. I'm not going to give you nearly as many details of this one because we don't have the time for it in two for 10, but it basically, I'll just give you a quick sort of survey. It comes from the book of Daniel. It's actually Daniel seven verses 13 and 14. And the prophet Daniel lived about six to 700 years before Jesus Christ. And he foresaw a time in the future where all these kingdoms would rise up on the planet, on planet Earth. All these world superpowers would sort of be trading off uh, power in between his own lifetime and the coming of the Messiah. He also saw further into the future and recognized a time when the Messiah would come on the clouds of heaven and be presented before the Ancient of Days. Now that's really interesting. Because in this very book of Revelation, we see Jesus Christ, the conquering Son of God, sitting down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We're not there yet in Revelation. That's coming up later on. But let me just read you this quick passage from Daniel, and then we'll be done for the day. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 go like this. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. That's what John is referring to when he said, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Do you see how the Apostle John uses not one, but two very prominent, very robust, very important messianic prophecies from the Old Testament to prove and to give us assurance that Jesus Christ is coming back and he's coming back as the conquering king who his people expected all along, who his disciples certainly expected. It brings us to a good point. You know, the book of Revelation is chocked full of Scripture. And I mean chocked full. Almost every single verse, either references, quotes, or echoes an Old Testament passage. Many people make the mistake of thinking that the early church didn't have a Bible. Actually, the early church started recognizing the writings and the teachings of the apostles as inspired authoritative works very early on. But even before that, If we go back to the early, early church, the first day's church, the church that John was pastoring, they had a Bible. It was the Old Testament and it was so deep in their hearts that John could teach one single doctrine about the return of Christ in one verse of the book of Revelation, not using one, but using two Old Testament passages. I'd like to ask you a question. If somebody asked you to prove that Jesus was the Christ using scripture, would you be able to do it? If someone asked you to prove that Jesus was the Christ using just your Old Testament, would you be able to do it? This book, like I said, is chock full of scripture because the early church fed on scripture to the point where nearly everything that's written in the book of Revelation either reflects, references, echoes, or alludes to the Old Testament It truly is an amazing thing. Last thing, in verse 8, God again refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega. Well, he again refers to himself as the one who is and who was and who is to come. He adds on to that two things, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet and the Almighty. There's two important reasons for this. God wants to reiterate to the churches that, hey, I am the one who is always, I am the one who knows the beginning from the end. So as you read this book and you begin to learn about the events that are going to unfold in the future before you have assurance that I'm not making this up. I am the almighty. I am the first and the last, and I know the beginning from the end. In other words, when I say that my son's coming back on the clouds and every eye will see him, that means it's happening. And you're not going to miss it. Every eye will see him. Also, when God refers to himself as the Almighty, this is a really unique Greek word. I even wrote it down because it was so hard to pronounce. The pontocrator. The pontocrator. This is a word that was used often in the first and second centuries to refer to the emperor. It means the Almighty. But Roman emperors had a tendency of referring to themselves as divine and even as Almighty. Almighty. We know from church history that Roman emperors and the Roman Empire were some of the most vehement persecutors of Christians in the first century. When God writes to the churches and says, I am the almighty. This is what he's saying. No matter what you're going through, no matter who appears to have power over over you, no matter who appears to have power over you right now, don't worry. I'm the one who really has power. I am the Almighty. And one day soon, when my son returns, I will make all things right. So hang in there and press on and don't give up. My friends, that is all the time we have for today. This has been Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Jesus Christ is coming back. He will come with the clouds. He will set his foot down on the Mount of Olives, just like we're told in the very beginning of the book of Acts and by Jesus himself. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. There will be great mourning and great crying out in that day. My question to you is, will you be mourning because you rejected him? Or will you be rejoicing because you accepted him and embraced him and served him? Thanks so much for watching. I'm Blake Barbera signing off. This has been Two for Ten. Until next time, stay blessed, live loved, and thank you for watching that you may know it. You May Know Him podcast is produced by That You May Know Him Ministries, Durham, North Carolina. You can visit our website at thatyoumayknowhim.com.